Hello, everyone. We are back for another season of the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here with you on this beautiful Thursday evening. And as has been the case for four of the five previous seasons, or three of the five, maybe, we're back with our FFA Cup review because, thankfully, in 2021, the Cup is back on the national stage with three Queensland ties to keep us entertained over the last eight or so days. And, well, Adam, how's your off-season been? Oh, look, it's been uh, fairly uh, busy, I think, uh, obviously keeping up appearances around the around the local leagues. But it's good to have uh, FFA Cup back. Uh, obviously, it's always an exciting time of year, especially to see the Queensland teams um, do well. Scott, how are you going? It's always good to open with a joke, James. <laughs> off-season. Off-season. What are you what talking about? No, it's been good, actually, getting around to the CMPL uh, once again. And it is good to have the Cup back in Queensland. It's not to see if it actually gets played anywhere else around the country, but it was good to have it back for a couple of nights in Queensland at the very least. Well, we are going to try and keep things positive. So hopefully come the end of 2021, we will have an FFA Cup champion that is not Adelaide United as we prepare for the new and upcoming A-League season as well. And as was the case, uh, the Raw got their first competitive fixture in the FFA Cup. We'll get onto that in a second, but before we should do that, we should do our normal season introductions. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, Brisbane Football Review at gmail.com. Facebook is The Raw Review. Twitter at BNE Football. Uh, podcast obviously available. Wooshka, iTunes, Spotify, probably a couple of other places as well, but it's been a while since I've had to run through this list of outlets. So you can always Google it for yourself, Brisbane Football Review Podcast. And as always, you can leave a rating and review on those things because apparently. You have to have you have to ask for that if you have a podcast. I guess it's to do with search engines or charts or something. I really don't know. I'm much more focused on football. So what do you say we get into game one of the FFA Cup national stage in 2021 and talk about the Raw's 3-0 win over Peninsula Power up at Morton Daly Stadium? Adam, overall, I think it was a solid performance for the Raw, what you would expect from their first competitive hit out but it maybe wasn't the full picture of what we would see for them this coming season. Yeah, it's uh, awkwardly placed the season, the timing of it, um, obviously with COVID lockouts and uh, lockdowns and whatnot. And I, I think, to to be honest, I think the result always was going to favour the Raw as far as the potential power who are in the midst of a battle you know, to hold on to the uh, lead in the MPL Queensland. And look, if, if this game was played on schedule, um, you know, on back on the 24th of August. I reckon this might have been a much more tougher con- contest for the Raw, but um, but yeah, like I said, with the reschedule uh, and sort of coming out of lockdown, it was, um, it, yeah, so it, it became too much for uh, Pinchel Power, who who weren't too bad, but I think they were beaten on moments rather than sort of, you know, overall sort of, you know, being that far off the pace. It was quite clear what Pen Power's game plan uh, for the evening was, but It has to be said, like, they were coming off what was a draining game that Saturday beforehand against Gold Coast Knights as well, where I I commentated that game for FQ, and I honestly thought that, you know, maybe it was going to be a little bit cagey between two sides that had, with all due respect, bigger fish to fry in the coming days. But they went hammer and tongs for 95-plus minutes, and I think for Penn Power, they maybe were a little bit guilty of showing too much respect to the rule with the way that they set up, Scott. We'll talk about Knights later on, but they, both Power and Knights in that game, which you commentated, were certainly going for it. And it was a it was a highly physical game with a lot of energy spent. And I think 
it probably did end up hurting the power because they only had, what, 48 hours or so between those two days. But I think Adam's right as well when he said that if this game was played back in the middle of August when it was originally scheduled, this would have been a completely different game because you've, you've cast your mind back to then, James. The Raw were only just in the training. I think they were going to be in their third week of preseason training by that point. The Peninsula Power were absolutely flying on top of the league. They're still top of the league now, but they were absolutely flying, beating everybody. And that three or four weeks off where the Raw were training every day and, and the MPL sides were sitting idle, that really, really took the sting out of this game because it would have been the Peninsula Power at their physical best, basically, against the Raw who were building up. And that's typically where you see these Magic of the Cup moments when the A-League sides are still a little bit underdone. This was the equivalent in terms of time, James, of about a round of 16 tie. And I think only one member-fed club has beaten an A-League team in the round of 16 or later. So it was always going to be very, very difficult for any member federation side this year to to cause that upset. And you're right, Power were pretty good on the night. They were competitive. They had a couple of half chances, particularly in the second half. They got... For Daniel McHenry had a couple of good opportunities down the right, but the Raw just ran over the top of them in the end, unfortunately. It was a pretty good performance from the Raw, who I think, is a, I think there's a lot more to come from them as well. That's the encouraging thing. Yeah. Well, just sticking with Penn Power as well, like you could see there was, there was a much deeper formation than what we've seen at times in the NPL as well, where they had uh, Josh Woolley playing that left fullback role, which occasionally turned into a left winger role. Um, you know, Greenwood and McHenry, they were sitting deeper after pushing a lot higher during the week. And, yeah, it just it does seem like they were much more willing to let the Raw um, have the ball and basically just try to frustrate them and then uh, grab them, uh, grab a goal or two on the break. And as you, as you guys both said, like, it was just down to moments where I think the Raw, they showed Penn Power plenty of uh, respect as well by making sure that, they needed to execute at as high a level as they could to try and break down what was quite a stubborn defence, and it was Matty Steinman that uh, opened the scoring at him. Yeah, look, I think that you just uh, sort of uh, mentioned it where I think that the chink in the armour was for uh, Pinchel Power as far as trying to play pretty much counter-attack football was by not having a specialist uh, left fullback. Um, Josh Woolley, who is a very, very good um, left winger, but he and he has he has been serviceable in that role playing MPL. But this is a very this is a different kettle of fish, and that seems to be where a lot of the attack was coming from when the, for the raw when they were pushing forward was was pretty much Jack Hingott slipping in behind um, behind Josh Woolley, and that's where they, where they I think at least two of the goals would come back from pretty much from a mistake from that part of the field. So um, I think if you get a play uh, on play, you know, five at the back, you know, counter-attack football, you want to make sure you've got five special defenders. It's certainly where the second goal came from, James, down the, down the right-hand side of the ball in to Luke Ivanovich. It was actually great to see both Steinman and Ivanovich starting and playing really well from the side. I know the Raw had a couple of debutants in the game. We might talk about that later. But I think those two in particular looked really good from the start. And it was, I think, really good that they both got on the score, score sheet as well. I know Steinman's not there to score goals necessarily, but... It'd be great for the confidence of Luke Ivanovich to get the first goal under under his belt as well. Given he's coming from Sydney, which it shouldn't make any difference, but you just know that given a lot of Brisbane fans have a have a dislike for Sydney FC, if he did get off to a, a slow start, they would start to hold that against him. So for his confidence to get that first goal, I think that's really important for him as well. And it was a really well-taken finish. And that right-hand side of Powers left is where a lot of the damage was done. Yeah, it was. And they really... 
really knew how to, you know, make things happen. And obviously there were, you know, a handful of loose passes here and there, which you would expect. But I I did think, like, you could see the difference between the NPL and the A-League right there when the Raw tried to get those moves going to try and get in behind uh, the Penn Power defense. That, like, those quick little passing moves is really what made the difference. But for me, it was Ivanovic's goal that really made the difference in the game. And I suppose took it out of it, took it beyond the area where power probably would have been feeling quite pleased with that because like the two games that we went to in person, I think followed a very similar sort of script where if you pen power, you would have been pretty happy getting to halftime at only one nil down, especially considering the way that you'd set up for that one. And yeah, I think just when Ivanovic was able to double the advantage, it probably took them out of their comfort zone and and forced them to really come out of their shell, which they did their best doing that, bringing on people like Xander Guy, who uh, actually had a pretty good um, cup diary on the FFA Cup socials pages as well. Yeah, um, that's the is yeah. Basically, when you're playing that type of football, again, like, and you're an NPL team trying to trying to play an A League team. One goal, like I said, you never you never know. You can, like I said, it might be a penalty. It might be just a, you know, a fluke break and play that, you know, you get one-on-one with the keeper and score. But when you're trying to play that style, chasing two goals, it's going to be very, very difficult. And I think, I think Warren Moon would have been very, very disappointed, you know, to even entertain the concept of Raw conceding two goals to potential power with all due respect to them. And conversely, James, it was really important for the Raw to get that first goal against the Peninsula Power side, who were playing a pretty similar type of formation three at the back to the, to the Raw. So it was very similar in the way they were lined up. And given that Power were sitting back so much, it was really important for the Raw to get that first goal. Because if Power did steal something on the break and they, they had the players to do it with guys like Andy Pengelly up front, they had people who could certainly hurt them. To get that first goal was really, really crucial from their point of view. And once they did get that, it did seem like there was only going to be one winner in the game. And they saw it out quite well. And I did just want to bring up Andy Pengelly as well. Like mm. with all the footage available, it's pretty clear the Raw knew he was the danger man. And they had Tom Aldred basically, you know, watching him like a paranoid parent all night, uh, just making sure that if they were going to get beaten, it wasn't going to be by Pengelly because yeah, he obviously is the danger man having scored about 487 NPL goals in the last three years. Yeah, it, it was a tough night for Andy, um, and that, that's no reflection on his ability. He was just marked out of the game by Tom Aldred and, and Kai True, and that's, like I said, that's actually probably a sign of, you should actually take away, it's a sign of respect that, you know, he is such a dangerous player that, you know, you've got a professional like Tom Aldred that basically just locked him out of the game, and I, and yeah, um, it, it, it was, defensively they were very good as well, the Raw, I'd, I'd say, I think, um, you know, that, that, that back four, that, well, that, that four, you know, Neville, uh, Neville, Aldred, and True, and you know, as they did last season for a lot of time, they they were very, very good. Definitely. All right. I well, did like True on the left, actually. I, well, that was a big question mark. I thought he did quite well on the left hand side. Yeah, replacing Blake Gillespie's role. Yeah, and I, that's been something that the three of us have been talking about basically since the end of last season. When it comes to, you know, the players the Raw would be recruiting, who would they be bringing in, and whatnot, and. It certainly seems like Kai Truin is deservedly going to get the first crack at that left-sided stopper role. And, yeah, obviously, you know, you don't need to have a primarily left-footed player in that role, but it, it is good to see. And it is good to see him getting a go where they're maybe just putting their best three defenders out there and letting them 
uh, operate as a unit because, yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit surprised, but also I think compared to his predecessor, I think Moon is probably a fair bit more flexible in terms of who can go where. Yeah, I, I, I think so. And, uh, and that's the one thing so far, as far as their, their recruiting goes. And it's sort of, uh, it sort of speaks to that they need, obviously, more attack, more goals. Whereas the defence has, you know, relative, at the moment, been relatively sort of unchanged from last year. They, they've lost, yes, they've lost Macaulay Gillespie, but they've, um, but it looks like Kai Truon will obviously get the first opportunity to make that, at least one of those centre-back roles his own, along with uh, Tom Aldred and Scott Neville. And speaking of Warren Moon, what do you say we hear from what he had to say after the match? Uh, Warren, pretty comfortable win uh, to start off the FFA Cup. Happy with the result? Yeah, look, it was. It was uh, the, the good thing about tonight was it was uh, a game on the, that had something on the line that mattered. So uh, we needed that test. I think we've had a couple of games so far early on, but they're obviously just trial games. So, uh, yeah, for, tonight, for us tonight, it was good. It was good to hear that. And a good chance for the, uh, some of the new signings to get uh, some minutes in their legs. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, a couple of new signings. Um, you know, obviously familiarising themselves with the other players and uh, and what we're trying to do this year. So that was, it was pleasing. Uh, oh, um, obviously impressed with obviously the new signings: Lascano, uh, uh, Ivanovic, and Milosevic. Um, yeah. Obviously, you're happy with their, their contributions Look, so far. And Steinman as well. I'm very yeah, happy with them. I think I'm happy with a lot of the squad as a whole at the moment. The new signings have come in and fitted in really well. Uh, but obviously some of the old guard that have been here from last year as well um, are doing really well also. And, uh, you know, some of our young players that got uh, blooded last year, you know, what's pleasing about what they're doing is, is their development and how they're uh, progressing as players as well. Um, you know, Jesse Daly tonight was outstanding. And, uh, you know, for me that, that was uh, one really pleasing thing that came out of the game. Obviously as well with the um, MPL side, the mum seeing second... In their, in their league, obviously gave um, opportunities on the bench for Luis Bala and Dom Horwood. Well, what was the thinking behind that, even though they didn't get on? They didn't get on, but they're, they're playing well. They're good enough. And uh, so they're getting opportunity. Luis Bala's, uh, you know, came to us from the from regional Queensland. And, uh, you know, he came on his own accord and he impressed us from day one. And he's gone from the NPL off the bench to uh, training regularly with the first team and being probably one of our key players in the NPL, so he deserves an opportunity. And, and Dom's a good player, and we and we, we gave him a chance tonight because he's been great also. Uh, with the way that Penicipal play, play, how important was it to get the first goal? Yeah, look, for us, uh, you know, in any game, uh, but particularly games against NPL opposition, we want to start well. We want to make sure that we're on the front foot. And, you know, I've been on the other side. You know, I've been in that change room giving that talk about stay in the game, stay in the game. They're an A-League side, but the longer we can stay nil-nil or, or jag a goal, it's, uh, you know, it keeps you in the game. So I know probably what their team talk was and, and what their hopes and uh, dreams were from the match. But uh, for us, we had to start well and, and try and get a goal in the first 20, and we did that. You mentioned you've been in that dressing room and you have no idea of how they were going to play. How did you find it coaching up against your former side? Yeah, look, it's a great club. You know, look at tonight, look at what they put on. It's, uh, you know, they're one of the best uh, clubs in, in the state in terms of supporter, fan base and, and how they run. So, um, you know, I didn't want to lose, obviously. But, uh, but uh, you know, I was pleased for them to get to this this point of the, the tournament. And uh, I think it's a great night, just uh, not just for power, but for local football and, and for us. And potentially in the round of 16, another local side potentially afford to match up like that if it chills to the right? Yeah, potentially. I think I, I think maybe uh, other states are now in the pool, so it's not as clear cut for us to play necessarily a Queensland team. But uh, you know, 
for us, it's a, it's a tournament. It's a competition we're in and we want to win it. So, uh, you know, the most pleasing thing out of tonight was that we're into the next round. Saw uh, one celebrating his goal and, and celebrating with the fans. Uh, seem to enjoy that quite a bit. Do, do nights like these sort of help those new players that understand what it's all about? I think everyone contributed tonight and I'm really pleased for Juan. I think what we know about Juan is that he's a very good player that's very much underdone. You know, and uh, we won't make the same mistakes as pre-season with our players. Well, we will, uh, we will work him in slowly, and uh, we saw a bit, bit of him tonight. Uh, we need to work harder with him physically, uh, but when he is fit and firing, I think he's going to be a real handful in the league. And just with, um, well, what's next for the club as well? Uh, how are you going to balance out getting match minutes, uh, playing friendlies against some of the local sides, and just training in preparation for the start of the A League? Well, I think that's enough. I think that's you know that's the, our situation, and that's what we'll do. Hopefully, as we get closer to the season, there might be an opportunity to open up to play some A League sides, you know, behind closed doors if if uh, the borders permit. So, um, hopefully, we'll, we'll know more closer to the time. But uh, yeah, for right now, that's a, that's a hard one. Other than just play the local teams. Okay, that was Warren Moon after the match there, and I think he was overall quite pleased. Um, his demeanour afterwards was. Somewhat reserved, but satisfied. Does that sound about right, Scott? Yeah, I think so. I think it was a game where there was a lot of there was a lot of pressure on that for the Raw because if they didn't, they were all hiding into nothing in a way. If they lost that game, they were never going to hear the end of it. And to win the game, it's like they, they did what they were expected to do. So I think you know, he was pleased to get the result and get some minutes into the to the legs in terms of a competitive game. And I think there's a lot more to come from this side as well. I mean, it's, there's I mean, there's four new players they played on the night. There's another one, Jordan Holmes, that they signed haven't played yet. But I think there's a lot more to come from. Actually, we haven't spoken to him yet. Alex Parsons off the bench for half an hour was absolutely excellent as well. So there's a lot to come from this side. And it's their first competitive game of the year. And I think a lot of people from the outside looking in would look at this Raw side and think, are they going to be any good this year? Well, they look look really good to me. And I think they it's similar to what they did last year, but they've got a lot more dynamism in the front third, which I like. Yeah, I think, you know, at the moment, especially with a lot of A-League clubs, obviously, in lockdown and hardly hardly been cited, um, all you can do is take and watch a scene from actual, you know, competitive football and Look, the raw, the raw. You know, they they did they did the job, and um, they, they, these these two out of thirty-two games are very very dangerous as far as you know, you know, confidence for of the fan base for their sides. Because you're right, you lose to um, you lose to a member federation club, and you're the laughing stock for a while, and, that, and it's not what you want. So, and especially for Warren Moon himself, obviously the pressure being you know a you know, peninsula power legend as well. That that was the storyline that was built around. Um, this, this game as well, so he would have um, it would have been a little bit of a like I guess needless pressure almost. But look, I think three nil. I think it's a fair result, and it's probably what um, they they should be expecting at this time of year. Yeah, that's basically the best way I can sum it up. But um, Scott, you mentioned uh, there were some good numbers uh, for the debutants. Do you want to run through them? I can run through. So there were four players made their debut on the night. Obviously, we've spoken about Ivanovic and. Ivanovic and um, Steinman, sorry, I got confused. Um, Nikola Milosic also made his debut from the start, and so did so did Juan Lascano off the bench, and their players 183 through 186, respectively. And we haven't spoken about Lascano yet, but he was really good off the bench, wasn't he, in terms of, in terms of his impact? He only had the one chance. But it's a, again, it's a small sample size, but it looks like he's going to be that clinical striker the Raw have been looking for for the last couple of years. And if that's the case... They might have found the player who can get them those one nils when 
last year where maybe they dropped two points in a draw where they just weren't able to, to take their chances. It looks like maybe now on first seven, they might have that player. And if they do, that's going to be massive for them. Well, the thing that stood out to me about Lascano, just especially compared to Wenzel Halls, uh, who was leading the line last year, is just the difference in size between the two. And look, I'm all for seeing the short guys getting the job done, but uh, obviously a taller person is much easier to put in crosses to. So what, what, yeah, what stood out for me is obviously uh, when Moon was playing at Lions, especially, you remember he always had that sort of big dominating striker. Marek Mudley is the name, obviously, that most of us would remember um, as a key figure there. But he, re- but having that tall striker, just to really, I suppose, mix it up when he may be taking on two or even three centre-backs at a time, really will make life a lot easier. And when you've got the two dynamic wide guys as well with, Oh, which on the night were Miliuznic and Akbari for most of the game, plus the overlapping fullbacks, having that sort of target is going to be huge. So, yeah, I obviously am not going to, you know, go and say, well, he needs to score 25 goals to be a success. But having that added element to really uh, bring on, or maybe even start with, I think he's going to be a really big difference between them as well. Yeah, look, I, th- I think exactly. I think it's not just it's not just his goal scoring prowess, but like I said, one you know one one meaningful touch for a goal is is great. But then when you bring in players like an Alex Parsons, who we know can create, and also and even we we brought back you know we sort of mentioned uh, Nikola Muliznic as well, which he probably didn't have a great game, but then again, it's probably not the game sort of game that he's going to excel in because of the way that power set up. So I, I think you can almost sort of say it's a um, it's almost a wash as far as his performance goes on, you know, in that FFA Cup tie. So when and also as well, if, if he if he's drawing players as well with his size, that also opens up opportunities uh, uh, for others. So it, it's a case of um, wait and see. But all signs are, you know, are pretty good at the moment. Definitely. Now before we wrap this up, I do want to turn quickly back to Peninsula Power. So we've got a couple of post-game interviews from them as well. They were very accommodating. Uh, coming and talking to us afterwards just because, well, obviously they were a little disappointed with how the match turned out. So uh, we do want to say big thanks to Coach Aaron Phillip and uh, defender Michael McGowan. We do apologise for the background music um, that was coming through the stadium speakers. There's not a whole lot we could have done about that. So uh, we'll start off with Aaron Phillip and then go to Michael McGowan after that. Disappointed. How are you feeling? Uh, probably disappointed. Three mistakes and they, they punished us for it. Obviously that's what A-League do. Um, but really proud of him. I thought we, we did well for the game. Um, we've got seven games to go in the league, so good stepping stone for us to get back on the horse and hopefully finish the league strong. What did you do at half-time? You came out seeing more energy, got closer to them? Yeah, we just tweaked a few things. I thought we gave them too much respect first half and we, we wanted to be a bit more aggressive and try, try and press them a bit higher. So I thought we did that second half really well, um, but the damage was done with the first half of the two mistakes. So, In a yeah. way, are you glad to get this one out of the way? Uh, probably. I think the players have probably been thinking about it for the last few weeks, which hasn't helped with their results in the last few weeks. So it's probably good to get this done now. Um, and now we can concentrate back on the job at hand that we need to finish. Plus sides, profile for the club. Plus sides, yeah. Profile for the club. Jake McLean got good minutes tonight. He's first, second game back. Uh, Josh has been suspended. Again, good minutes. Um, so, yeah, a lot of positives for us. Palabar next, Palabar next on Sunday. Tough game. It's always tough for us to go there. Good team, physical. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll prepare for as best we can for Sunday. 
Thanks, Aaron. Cool. We've got a lot of games between now and the end of the season, Aaron. Yep. How do you refocus now to get ready for try and wrap up the Premiership in the um, I think the second half tonight is probably a good positive for us to to go for the rest of the year. I know we've got a lot of games. Um, we've got a deep squad. We've got a good squad. Everyone's fit and healthy again. Um, so there's no reason we can't switch back on and, and go do our job that we started. And just finally, good to have a tussle with Mooney on the sideline next. Yeah. We're good mates. It's always good to have a tussle. Um, obviously, they're expected to win. They did well. They're a good team and I wish them all the best of luck for the uh, for the A-League season ahead. Obviously, I'm one of their fans. I'm a Mooney fan, so hope they win it. Uh, Michael, a bit of a tough result tonight against the Raw. What were your thoughts on the match? Yes, yeah, disappointing. Um, the, the, the conditions made it difficult. You know, you saw the uh, second half, even the Raw found it difficult to get out with that wind. And um, but ultimately, we've made some mistakes tonight. Um, you know, the, the better team won, so we can't have too many complaints. And you guys uh, set out with that back three we've seen so effective in the NPL this season. Uh, do, you, do you feel like you sat back too deep against the side with the attacking quality of the Raw? I think that's, you know, because the Roar are so good that, you know, you have to sit in, you know, it's easy to say, go and press them, that's how, you know, you do that, you can get picked off, so we, we had a game plan tonight, um, and unfortunately, you know, if you, if you look at the goals, you know, we made some mistakes for the goals, I don't think it's anything to do with the, the you know, the tactics of sitting deep, ultimately we've made some mistakes tonight, and they've punished us, that's what good teams do. And uh, now, how are you guys going to go about refocusing with the NPL this weekend? Uh, we won't have a problem switching back onto the league, um, you know, we've had a great season so far. You know, we've had a, a hiccup in the last couple of weeks, but we'll put that to, to bed at the weekend and we'll, we'll, we'll get on a roll again. Well, good. Well, thank you very much. And our thanks to both of those guys for chatting to us after the match. And the confidence was quite high from Penn Power, like in terms of like, obviously not thinking, oh, we're going to steamroll the Raw. But I think there was that quiet optimism that they're in season, the Raw are in pre-season. Maybe they just let the occasion get to them? I don't know. Well, what do you make of it, Scott? I think, I don't think the occasion got them. I think they were playing for the occasion. You look at Peninsula Power yeah, as a club. That, they're, that's they're, they're a team with real ambition. If there is ever going to be a national second division, I think they're a club who've got real ambition to be a part of that. And getting just under 3,000 people up there to to Morton Daly Stadium on a Tuesday. I know a lot of them are Brisbane Raw fans, but there are also people from that community up there who would have been there supporting Peninsula Power. So I think they were the occasion was what they were hoping to get out. If they could get a result on the field, fantastic. But to be able to showcase what they can do as a club on the national stage, I think was really big for them. And I think that's what they'll take out of it more than anything else. The result on the field that can happen. They played pretty well. It was, it was all as we said. It was always going to be tough for them. But I think there's plenty they can take out of it as a club going forward. And actually, I think I've, I've come up with a better phrasing. Sorry, Adam. We'll get to you in a second. Uh, but I think yeah. They didn't necessarily get caught out by the occasion, but I think they felt like they were closer to the raw than the 3-0 scoreline uh, reflected, perhaps. Yeah, look, and I think that's right. I think they were closer um, in, in general play, that they, they were really going toe-for-toe toe with them. Again, it was moments. A, a slip here and a ramp pass there, and to their credit, the raw were clinical. Um, again, but I, I, my prevailing point right at the top so I, I sort of repeat that, that if this game happens on August 24, 
This might have been a much more competitive game than happen, happening in September because of the delay. And I think that extra couple of weeks of preseason training that Raw did, coupled with Peninsula Power, um, having to stop pretty much stop proceedings because of the COVID lockdown, and then trying to rebuild. And their form has been very, very scratchy in MPL since. Um, I think that's probably what did him. But I think also as well, um, I do agree with the point. I think maybe they actually did give... Raw way too much respect the way they set up it was a very they they were almost they set up and they played a style to counter the raw instead of playing to their to their strengths and that, their strengths might have seen them get beat probably more but I think the case is that you know I think they were more worried about what the raw could do what more than what they they could do themselves. Yeah, exactly because we've seen them um, play that back three to good use as well and frustrate teams um, in the NPL. I. I think was it. I don't know if it was the first game where they used that back three, uh, but it was definitely very early on in the year against Olympic at uh, Goodwin Park, where they had Jesse Rigby dropping from mid midfield into that third centre back role, and they've used it to great effect. So I don't. It wasn't as though they you know went all out defence just for this match. This has been a formation they've been working on all season, but. Yeah, it just it does feel like they were trying to maybe just get through that first half and then have a crack at the, in, in the second half when, unfortunately for them, there was just too big of a mountain to climb. Yeah, they have been pretty good, actually, at nullifying teams with, who control a lot of the ball with that system. You think about teams like Olympic that you mentioned, they did the same thing to them in round seven of the Cup. They played this back three, and they were sitting back and hitting on the break, and they really limited the space for the teams who like to get on the ball. I think that was a large part of the plan saying, okay, the Roar are going to have a fair deal of possession here, but can we be in the right areas to nullify that? And it just didn't quite work out on the night for them. Exactly. Adam? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, I think that's, that's the case. It's, a, it's certainly a performance they shouldn't be disappointed with. Um, look, at the end of the day, they, they, had, they had nothing to lose. They had nothing to lose. If they, if they, if they had a, you know, snuck a result, they would have been heroes. If they lose, well, we, we expected that. And I think, but also as well, they win as far as, you know, 2000, was it 2000? Uh, 2905. 2905. So I was just scrolling up there, run sheet. 2905 on Tuesday night up there. It's their home game. So that's in their coffers. So um, that, that, that is well for the member federation clubs. Hosting an A-League, A-League club, you generally, from a financial point of view, you're, you're a winner before you even kick off. Yeah. And Particularly will, when it's a team in your state as well with a large following who are going to turn up. Yeah. And I will say as well, like they do have some pretty solid uh, young prospects coming through as well. The uh, main one that I'm aware of is um, the winger Malachi Loves Samira, obviously a product of Gregory Terrace and came through the City Academy as well. And the fact that he's been able to break through and earn his way onto the bench for this match and like start a handful of NPL games for them as well shows that, you know, the future is bright for Penn Power. Now, I just want to wrap up uh, this seg- uh, this first game with a simple question for the both of you. Will Penn Power make the national FFA Cup round of 32 in 2022, Scott? You're asking me this now? Yes. I'll go with no, just because it's very, very difficult in the, in the Brisbane zone to be able to, to get through. There's a lot of really good teams there, so it's very difficult. Adam? Uh, yeah, look, my, my reaction is the same as Scott's. It's very, very difficult because a lot of it is based on the draw you have and the pathway. So I'll say no with a preface of no, but if they get a decent draw, 
there every chance. So yeah, I they're going to be in the see, fight I don't, for that, I, I don't think, unlike other states, qualification for the national rounds in Queensland is not a divine right that you have to earn it. Yeah, I'm go- well. Just for a change of pace, I'm going to say they will, but you know that's without knowing the draw, who they're bringing back, who's leaving, and who they're bringing in. So but I'm just saying, so, 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 the weekend when I'm up there. <laughs> if you say, ask me the same question about Gold Coast Knights or Lions, I'll give the same reaction. Well, no, actually, I'm going to no, but they may because of the draw. Spoiler alert: I'm actually going to be asking you about Edge Hill United and Casuarina FC. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Edge Hill United, they hosted Gold Coast Knights at Barlow Park last Wednesday. It was a 2-0 win for Gold Coast Knights with a very, very late show, as they are becoming somewhat accustomed to, uh, at least in that week, where they scored was a 93rd-minute winner against Penn Power, and then 85th-minute penalty for Jason McQuasse and Dante Mariner um, hit them on the break in the fifth minute of stoppage time. But it was a surprisingly even game considering the way that both sides have been constructed. Edge Hill, a lot of players from the old Cairns FC side, but a few years older, I don't think they would mind me saying. Um, And Gold Coast Knights, obviously they're very much in the mix for an NPL top four spot and they'll be eyeing off, if not the premiership, then at the very least a grand final win. Adam? Yeah, look, uh, credit to Edge Hill. They, They were right in this contest um, and had they been a bit more clinical, they may have really, you know, made, made it very life very interesting for Gold Coast Knights. Obviously, on paper, Knights have, you know, probably a much stronger team, but uh, boy, did they defend the fortress as long as they could, and they just fell just short. Uh, the, the penalty, the penalty um, shout and, and given was probably uh, was disappointing for them. But, but, yeah, look, all credit to Edge Hill. They really made uh, Gold Coast Knights um, you know, earn the win. Well, as we saw against um, Magpies Crusaders in that final round uh, qualifier, you can see just how stubborn uh, Edge Hill will be and just how easily they – how willing they are to back themselves. Obviously, they had a slightly different approach in this game, but I, th- I thought they – yeah, probably would have actually favoured them going into extra time, all things considered, had they have gotten there. Oh, there's a very good chance of it because they had a lot of good opportunities on the counter-attack in transition. They just could not take them. Chris O'Hare's got a lot of experience along with Josh Taylor. I think they're the playing coach and assistant coach from memory. So, yep. And they're two of the players you mentioned from the aforementioned Kansas City side. They've, so they had chances on the break, but Knights, in all fairness to them, controlled large parts of this game. They had almost all of the ball, a lot of territory and a lot of chances. And a lot of what Edge Hill were able to do was actually capitalising on little mistakes that Knights are making in possession. So they had their moments, Edge Hill, but I think on the balance play, Knights were the better team and they deserved to win. It took them a lot longer to get the result than I think they thought it was going to, but I think that's all credit to Edge Hill given just... We've seen in the past, James, Kansas City in the FFA Cup, they're a tough team to beat. And in NPL Queensland when they were there as Kansas City, we've seen this... Uh, there's some really good players in that part of the world and they can be very tough to beat. And I think they came with that attitude once again and they... For 85 minutes, they were right in the game, and they could have nicked something. And if they did, it would have been a great story. Sorry, I'll I'll just jump in, James. Look, so we saw Cairns FC give um, Sydney FC a real a real fright for about about you know, 50 minutes you know, in in their FA Cup tie a couple of years ago. So, yeah, go, going to Cairns this time of year, it's not a foregone gone conclusion, and uh, certainly Edge Hill really sort of you know they put it to them. 
Yeah, and that was exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> that oh, was a great one. <laughs> but yeah, well, yeah, because I think um, they ran on the um, socials and whatnot, like the clip of that when they hosted Sydney FC. I think they actually led them past the hour mark of the game before Sydney just uh, stormed home. And like getting just under two thousand people up at Barlow Park is a fantastic um, show for the football up there, and hopefully, it's something they can build on. I, I suppose, like. The big question coming out of that, though, is uh, how do you integrate uh, the northern sides basically from further north than the Sunshine Coast? Because that seems to be the issue. They had a 30-game winning or unbeaten streak brought to an end just before that round seven qualifier from memory. And like, so is that really the best way for them to develop up there, getting um, winning 30 games in a row and cruising to the premiership? Because... Obviously, we know geography is the biggest issue for a lot of things in this state. And a lot of the players will try and come down to Brisbane and southeast Queensland because that's where the opportunities are. Yeah, that's the that's the really difficult question, isn't it? There's clearly talent up there, particularly in the far north Queensland Premier League, because it's the Cairns-based teams who have been the ones who have been the most competitive. The, the Magpies were okay in the Cup in 2019. The Townsville teams, forgive me people up there, spent a few years they're growing up, but they've never really delivered much on the Queensland football level out of Townsville. So it's cans up there where the talent seems to be. And you're right, Edge Hill were on a great run, a 30-game unbeaten run, which you mentioned. I think they, they won the league quite comfortably this year by a fair margin. So can you could they enter the football Queensland competitions? Would it work? Financially, to your point, is the problem. We've seen it in the past, and FNQ Heat and Kansas have done quite well. Actually played in a grand final not too long ago either. So it can be done on the field. It's just the financials off the field is the question. And I've seen the idea floated a potentially like a North Queensland Premier League with teams from Cairns, Townsville and Mackay. But isn't that just the same problem? It's yep. okay. It's more competitive because you're getting the best teams from each of those places, but it's still, still pretty expensive to travel between those places. It's not like you get in a car and drive those distances. That's a flight. So yeah. it's the same price, same oh, same price, but same problem. It's I, th- I think from memory, it's like four hours, five hours from um, Mackay up to Townsville. So add in a little bit further north to Cairns, and at least yeah, add eight on top of that hours. up from Townsville to Cairns. Yeah, so it is definitely something that would have to be done by a flight, but. You know, that's a question. In fact, it'd probably be cheaper to fly from Brisbane to Cairns than it would be from Mackay to Cairns, and that's um, that's the reality of um, you know of travels. So it's it is it's it's a real tough uh, situation. It's not just it's not just football. It's it's across all the all the sports. Um, trying how to best integrate North Queensland into um, you know into statewide Queensland competitions. But with that with that said, um, look, they, they put up a very good accounting of themselves. And, they, they, and it's moments like this that, you know, that really sort of highlights, you know, how much, you know, North Queensland, you know, need, means to um, the, the whole state. Yep. A lot of good pretty- players come out of Cairns as well, actually, as they mentioned in the broadcast. You've got Steve Corica, Zane Caravella, et cetera. So it's a lot of good players come from that part of the world. Frank Farina as well. Yeah, I think he exactly. actually played at Edge Hill and, you even look at some of the um, NPL clubs here in southeast Queensland now. A few of them have players that they've uh, plucked from uh, up north. I know Souths have the uh, twins Kylie and Monica Vecchio playing in their NPLW side. Obviously, I think they're only quite. I think they're only about 
18, 19 or so. So they've only just moved down. East have got a couple as well in their men's program. Yeah. So I suppose the question is, you know, if anyone knows how to provide those opportunities up there, then probably going to do quite well for yourself. But anyway, uh, from one region of Queensland to the opposite corner of Queensland and talk about Gold Coast Knights, it was a pretty good week for them all up. They had obviously that huge 3-2 win over 10 power, and then it turned into a eventual win um, in the FFA Cup, and then uh, they were able to build on that in their NPL form on the weekend as well. But Gold Coast teams seem to love the FFA Cup in general, don't they, Adam? Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, they've got they've got a great history of that. Uh, obviously, uh, the sort of lineage goes through, you know, Palm Beach, the Gold Coast City, and now Gold Coast Knights. And you know, a player like Ryan Hoffman, uh, not Ryan, uh, Roman Hoffman, um, you know, has actually played for all three of those clubs. So he more than anyone would know how you know Gold Coast sacks up in the FA Cup and. Uh, and look, they're, they're every ch- they're every chance. They've got style, and they've got they've got the players to be able to, you know, assuming that they can get a favourable, a favourable sort of draw. Um, they 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 have they can certainly you know take their place. They wouldn't be able to place it in a quarter final or even further if they if they got the run on. Absolutely, they've got an unbelievable record. The teams on the Gold Coast. I mean, they've actually been probably strikers aside. They're the only teams in Queensland who've really gone deep into. Jeff FA Cup, the old Palm Beach, Gold Coast City. And I think Surface Paradise did pretty well one year as well. So you know, it's a great history of Gold Coast teams doing really well on the national stage. And it continued again Tuesday week ago. And it, you're right, Adam's like they got a really good chance of going even further, depending on the draw. Yeah, exactly. And um, they'll be looking to obviously build on that momentum for whenever the round of 16 is, which hopefully will be able to take place at some point. Um Obviously, it's all subject to powers much higher than uh, Football Queensland, unfortunately, or Football Australia. I thought you were talking about Peninsula Power for a second there. <laughs> um, okay, well, we'll finish off with the same question as the first game. Edge Hill, will I be back in the national stage in 2022? Adam, you first. Uh, yes. Scott? Yeah, they're by far the best team in, in the northern Queensland zone. Uh, all I can really say on that is ditto. Uh, and finally we will wrap up with the most recent game which we took in on tuesday evening out at lion stadium at richlands and well look as far as uh competition went it wasn't the most enthralling of games but there was uh one really top quality goal from uh finn beekhurst on the hour mark lion six casuarina fc nil um this one probably played out as close to how we all expected it to as any of the games and, yeah, it was a brace from Jordan Farina. Uh, Giancarlo Solorzano got a goal. Beekhurst, the aforementioned one, Maltby, and uh, Fechner got on the score sheet as well. Scott, overall thoughts of the game? Yeah, uh, Lions did what Gold Coast Knights weren't quite able to do, and that just put the game away early. The, the first half, Kazarina were hanging around in the games. Again, similar sorts of things. Lions had a lot of possession, a lot of territory. A couple of little slip-ups in possession gave Kazarina half opportunities, but... When they got the early goal in the second half, I think that was... Was that Farina again with the second one? Or, Slaws, uh, no. Yeah. with the second one. And the third one on the hour, the aforementioned one from Beekhurst, that just put the game away. And from that point on, Lions were cruising and they were able to actually rest a couple of players to the game at the NPL on the weekend, which was a, a welcome luxury for them. But the game was over after an hour. And I think Casarina were pretty much aware of that as well, given both sides made about 
four or five changes at that moment. So it was a Lions did what they had to do. They came out, did what they needed to do to get through to the round of 16, and they'll be pretty pleased with their, their night's work, I would imagine. And I do just want to make a couple of quick points on Casarina as well before we um, talk about Lions, the side that we are slightly more familiar with. Just looking at um, the way Casarina set up, they came pretty close early on. Uh, they had a free kick that forced a decent save out of Luke Borian um, that could have, you know, obviously, you know, butterfly effect and all that. But they they set up and it, their plan almost paid dividends trying to um, get an early lead from a set piece or something and then encourage Knights to really try and attack them. But it also has to be said that both keepers for Casarina pulled off some huge saves all throughout the game. And despite the scoreline, I actually thought the keepers probably acquitted themselves the best out of anyone on Casarina. Yeah, I thought the mango farmer in goal who came on knew it just on the hour mark. Oh, he was absolutely superb. He, made, he had two great double saves in about 10 minutes after coming on to keep, it, keep the scoreboard even, keep the score somewhat respectable at that point. So he was he was really good when he came on. So I, I, I think you're right. The keepers were pretty good, actually, for for Casarina. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was Diane Newell and uh, Nelson New. Uh, that was confusing coming. too, by the way. Oh yeah, I did actually just want to give a special mention to Campbell, who was commentating uh, for Channel Ten for that game. Um, just running through some of the names in the Casarina team: Diane Newell, uh, Ryan Newell, and Dylan Newell. That's a linguistic adventure. <laughs> a little bit more difficult than uh, having Far and Ma back to back on the team sheet. Thank goodness Diane and Dylan Newell weren't on the field at the same time because that could have been very, very difficult. <laughs> I'm not sure Diane and Ryan would have been much easier. <laughs> oh, no. Or all, all, all three of them on. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, look at Casarina. Um, I went as expected. I think, I think they, they were competitive for up to a point, but when the game got out of hand, um, on the score on scoreboard, they 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 I guess they enjoyed the occasion at the end of the day. Um, yeah, look, Nelson, you um, a bit of a bit of a cult figure. You got a bit of a run under sort of the uh, hashtag Magic of the Cup sort of um, highlights as far as you know, being, you know, you know, being a mango farmer by by day. But um, I don't even think uh, there was one save he made which looked like a volleyball dig. Yeah. So he obviously has it has a bit of uh, style and flair, but look at the end of the day, I think you know, it's, it's a, it was a it was a trip down for them, first Northern Territory team to play outside the side Northern Territory in the Cups history. I think they I'm sure they enjoyed their time, you know, in Queensland, but um yeah, at the end of the day the result was what we feared. Speaking of a trip down and enjoying that time, I think the fans behind the goal had a great time, didn't they? The, they did. The, the, the dozen or so travelling fans down from Northern Territory, it was great to see them come down. Except the only thing I... is, is that they really, like I said, it, they need to do a lot harder to try and put off Luke Boring. He's he's coming a lot worse than that. Yeah, that's the yeah. last play you want to try that on, by yeah. the way. The uh, dozen or so travelling fans, and I swear I saw a couple of Olympic FC jerseys in that uh, travelling fan <laughs> trying to heckle Boring as well. Unconfirmed, of course, but just gut feeling. You going to Goodwin Park anytime soon? Confirm that for us. No, I'll, see, I'll, I'll have to leave that for you two. Anyway, anyway, moving on to Lions, and yeah, obviously it was a convincing win for them, di- doing exactly what many people expected them to. Um, it was a bit of a slow start for them as well, and before we go into that little bit uh, breakdown, why don't we hear from what Darren Syme had to say after the match? All right, Darren, a fairly convincing win in the end. Congratulations. What were your thoughts on it? Uh, I'm 
I, I felt once I got them in at half time and we kind of uh, just tweaked a couple of things, I think the second half was far more comfortable than the first half. You know, I think certainly within the first 10 minutes we established, um, you know, a little bit of dominance in, in possession and things like that. Uh, we weren't as, you know, clinical as I wanted us to be in the first half, but um, the second half performance was a lot more controlled. What was the message at halftime? Um, well, there was some pointed messages to a number of players that uh, I think obviously resonated because I think you found that uh, there was a lot more interplay in, in, in good areas that resulted in goals. And um, keeping Geordie on at the end, was that to try and get him a hat-trick? Yes, I, I don't think I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd be banned from the Farina household if I, uh, if I took him off. How important was that second goal right after half-time to try and put the game away? Because at 1-0 they were still in the game a little bit, having half-chance. They were. They, um, you know, the, the quick boy up front was, was a bit of a handful at times. So that was, that was their, th- their threat. So, yeah, getting that second goal really just kind of settled everyone's nerves and allowed us to play a little bit more. Third time in the FA Cup as a club, third time in the round of 16. Any preference on who you might like to play in the next round, potentially? A club around this club of wood, perhaps? Um, I, being greedy, I'd, I'd like a home game against, you know, oh, not really bothered who, but uh, a home game. But I, I certainly know that the uh, the players would probably like a, a trip away again. But uh, I like playing at home. I think we're a, we're certainly a different beast at home. Um, so I've said home games about four times, so I'm hoping for a home game. <laughs> And obviously you would have had a fairly decent level of support tonight, but uh, there were some travelling fans behind the goal as well. They added to the atmosphere a bit? They did. Very vocal. Um, no, it was great. I, you know, it was really uh, nice to see so many travelling fans. Yeah, you know, even our fans were fantastic tonight. There was a, there was a good turnout. Um, so, I'm, you know, it was a good spectacle for everyone. And just finally had the luxury of taking a couple of players off right through that second half, one eye on the game in the league at the weekend? Absolutely. Yeah, you know, um, I, I said to the boys before the game that, you know, as a, as a squad, we haven't achieved anything yet. Um, so our focus definitely is uh, that home semi-final. That's what we're working towards. Um, there's a good spirit in the squad. Um, you know, we're, we're scoring plenty of goals and there's a nice unity in our defensive setup as well. So um, really positive and uh, looking forward to the next few weeks. And thanks to Darren for taking that time with us. After the game, and I, I love the way that he just explained. You know, there was a fairly blunt message to the team at halftime. Uh, make sure that you know you actually do your job instead of really trying to push it. And that probably is what Lions were most guilty of in that first half. I think they wanted to try and have the game done um, at the intermission, so they could go and uh, fight Nick Meredith for a burger at the concession stand behind um, afterwards. Yeah, they it, going upstairs, wouldn't they? Not to the not to the canteen. They go upstairs to the sports bar. Would have thought where you would go, but I think you're right. They they were clearly trying to put the game away early. I think it was probably more a message of a bit of patience and just stick to what what they do and well, whatever it was. It certainly worked, given they went from one nil up at halftime to three or four nil up just after the hour. So it was it was probably really pleasing actually the way they did come out in that first 15, 20 minutes of the second half to put the game away, James. It was. Because, again, that could have gone the other way. Kazarian did have a couple of half openings that you mentioned. And if one of those does go in, maybe maybe a shot could be on the card. So they had to put the game away. And they, Again, they, 
they'll be pleased with what they did because they just did what they had to do. Yeah, that's pretty much all you can hope for. Yeah, um, yeah, like uh, Imam Muklas had a um, searing uh, free kick around about ten minute mark, which uh, resung the palms of Luke Borian. That, like I said, that goes in. It's it's a uh, different story. But look, I think Lions overall, um, they're they're probably the, the form team of the MPL at the moment. Um, they 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 are like they they seem to the break for them seems to have came at the right time, and all of a sudden they're they're not even, you know. Well, there was questions about whether they even make top four. I think I think now they're even pushing for a home final now, the way they're going. And as well, they're going, you know, well in the cup. So I think it's just a continuation of their form. But uh, and also as well as far if we're talking food choices, I recommend the uh, Dom Tina Rump steak at the uh, at the restaurant. I don't think they'll be fighting for the uh, burgers as good as they smell. <laughs> it was um oh what was it the uh, pork steak I had was quite good as well. <laughs> yes. But, uh, yeah, we do quite like going. Yeah, I regret my dinner choices because I had my dinner before I went there. Rookie mistake. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, so overall, Lions are quite happy. And uh, I'll, I'll do you guys a favour and not ask you to forecast the Northern Territory FFA Cup qualifiers. I'll give you a forecast on that, James. All right. There's a 50-50 chance there'll be a game played at the Darwin Football Stadium in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> you're not, you're not, not tipping Palmerston to make it? No. <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, we will uh, look forward as much as we can. Obviously, everything is still to be determined with the setup of the FFA Cup uh, going forward, because obviously we've still got a uh, couple of A-League playoff games to take place and the rest of the round of 32. Some of those games will be taking place uh, this coming weekend, actually. Or one of them will be. Uh, the Raw, Knights and Lions will go into a pot with the three winners from Zone 4, the Western Zone, for the round of 16. The open draw will be from the quarterfinal onwards. Obviously, we would have loved to have seen a fully open draw from the round of 32, but at the moment, you really need to be more flexible than an Olympic gymnast to try and work around all the border closures. So we're not going to complain too much about that. Um, the possible opponents uh, to still be added in you got Floriot Athena against Adelaide United this Sunday, September 26th. ECU Jundalup against Adelaide Olympic on the 29th of September. And Adelaide City will play the winner of Perth Glory, Melbourne Victory. That playoff, uh, the date of that playoff and the follow-up game are still to be confirmed. I'm assuming that will come down to when Melbourne is able to open up again. And good luck trying to forecast that. Yeah, That's when all can I'm Melbourne going. get to Perth? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually probably the bigger issue than Melbourne opening up and getting that uh, game played. Although I would not be at all surprised if uh, Melbourne are able, if uh, that Perth Melbourne game is played in Adelaide, and they wind up setting up camp uh, in there to uh, try and give them the opportunity to play Adelaide City either you know four days later or a week later. Actually, that's going to be either, either Adelaide or. Um... Scott's prediction might come early. There might be a game at Darwin Football Stadium. You never know. <laughs> like, like I said, the way, the way, and I, I, I was joking about that. The way these rules are as far as border entries, and especially WA, who have got you know, really rigid, um, you know, sort of border sort of you know, issues. And, and also as well, it's not only just um, 
the potential Melbourne victory going across WA, but the implications for, say, a Perth Glory going to, um, going, you know, facing a team from Melbourne, maybe going to having a neutral venue like Darwin might be the way to go. So um, there's a lot, there's a lot on the plate for um, FA to, to try and get this competition up and going. So the fact that now we've got this fast so far, I think it's great to them that they have faith in getting this competition going. Yeah, exactly. And I think they've just said, screw it, we'll, we'll get the games played that we can. And um, hopefully, you know, it just means we might have a really stretched out round of 32. And if so, so be it. All right. Now, I suppose that'll be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review, or at least we'll move on to the wrap-up portion now. Uh, first things first, we want to give a plug to NPL Sunday. That is going to be happening for at least the next six, maybe seven Sundays as the NPL season uh concludes across the various divisions. Is that right, guys? Sounds about right. Yeah, every I think we'll, yep. every, every week till... When's, when's Grand Final? November? Saturday, November 6th. November 6th. Uh, Sunday, November 7th will be the finale of the NPL Sunday show, just in time for the start of the A-League season. Perfect. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, yeah, you can always keep get in touch with us uh, at the Brisbane Football Review. As you may have uh, possibly missed on our 10-year anniversary special as well, we're always willing to accept... Uh, applications for new contributors as well in a variety of roles. If you're not a big talker, you don't have to come on the podcast, although we would happily have you on board as well. So, um, yeah, send a Facebook message, email, Twitter, carry a pigeon, I guess, if you know how to do that. Just, yeah, let us know. We're always open to uh, adding to the team, as it were. And in the meantime, um, yeah, you just have to keep in touch through the socials, the NPL Sunday show, Get out to the local grounds for the NPL and FQPL as their seasons um, draw to a conclusion as well because we've got a lot of football coming up, Scott. Yeah, just don't use flares or smoke signals to send us a message because we take no responsibility if you get banned from any grounds for doing so. Yes, that is the big thing, and uh, we can't really afford a points deduction. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, our our revenue doesn't allow us to pay the fine. Exactly. Um, And yes, most importantly as well, we will have a new podcast intro coming for our A-League season preview show, which will be in mid-November, give or take, I think. We probably should get on to sorting that out. But in the meantime, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, thanks, Jane. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Scott. Good to be back once again, guys. It is. Season six of the Brisbane Football Review is underway. We can't wait for what the coming season will bring. And we'll be here to cover all of the action in this podcast just about every week. Until the next one, we'll talk to you later.